passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hello, and we are live from the Big Phil Palace in Aurora, Ontario, Canada. I am your host for the UFC 275 post-show, Phil Chair Talk, joined as becoming more regular every every month, the one, the only, Mr. 416 himself, Eric Marcotte. Eric, how are you doing on this Saturday evening? I am doing uh, fantastic. Uh, yourself? I'm doing pretty good. I was uh, exhausted uh, all day, but I had a nap, so I've got a lot of energy, and uh, we had an amazing night of fights uh, tonight, uh, so a lot of uh, excitement in the air, a lot of great things to talk about, and uh, we have uh, one of, uh, you know, a fight of the year contender, and uh, even maybe a knockout of the year contender to talk about uh, as well. Um, Going into uh, UFC 275, uh, what was your impressions of this card? Uh, you know, I think I was reasonably high on this card. Uh, definitely carried by the excitement of the rematch between Ioana Janjacek and Zhang Weili, as well as the main event between Glover Teixeira and Yuri Prohoshka, which is just guaranteed insanity on paper. And uh, we'll get into it, but they both lived up to the hype. Uh, how about you? I mean, I was a bit lukewarm on it. Um not uh, for any particular reason other than just, you know, just so many things have been going on uh, lately. There was a lot of great boxing recently. And just in terms of marquee names, it didn't strike me as, you know, the most uh, thrilling of matchups. But, uh, of course, the Joanna, uh Whaley rematch would is pretty much going to be guaranteed fireworks considering the way that the first one went. So I was excited to see that, but disappointed that it ended up being a three-rounder. That didn't really matter in the end. Um, but nonetheless, uh, it turned out to be a great night of fight. So happy to cover it. Excited to talk about it. Uh, so why don't we get into it? Uh, so this card came to us from the sold-out Singapore Indoor Stadium in Singapore. Uh, so uh, this is 7 a.m. local time that the uh, early prelims start on this card. Um, and one car fight was scrapped from the card yesterday. Uh, Manel Cape versus Rogerio Bontorin was canceled because Bontorin was hospitalized due to, uh, weight cutting issues. So with that said, uh, let's talk about the, let's start with the main event. You've got Yuri Prokhaska, who's just looked incredible with these thrilling, uh, knockouts. And then you've got Glover Tejera. Defying the odds, becoming champion at 42 years of age. Prohaska comes into this fight as the betting favorite. What did you think about those odds, Eric? I wasn't surprised in the slightest. I mean, when's the last time Glover Teixeira was the favorite going into any fight? It's probably been years, hasn't it? So, uh, <laughs> no surprises. <laughs> I was I was a little bit surprised because of just... Uh, you know, the way that Glover has looked in the last uh, few fights, the way he dominated to win the championship. And, you know, I mean, he hadn't lost in, what was it, four years now. So, uh, you know, at some point you got to give uh, the champ uh, his due. But of course, Yuri has been looking incredible coming off that uh, amazing spinning elbow uh, KO of Dominic Reyes. Uh, you know, undeniable that he was going to be a tough competitor. So why don't you uh, walk us through the action, Eric? All right. So we start off uh, into round one. Teixeira opens up with a heavy kick to the body, and Prasachka immediately responds with a leg kick. Uh, they're both going to the body early, really. I thought Teixeira was doing some good work with some hooks, but he kind of abandoned that until later in the fight. Anyways, eventually Teixeira starts going after single legs, and he drags Prasachka right to the ground near the cage. He's landing a bunch of real short elbows, and 
Uh, Yuri kind of uh, transitions the wrong way here, allowing Glover to move into the north-south position. Yuri does escape to the feet eventually, and he starts to go on the attack. But you know what? Glover, he grabs a leg, takes him right back down, and he goes right into full mount, postures up, and he's throwing down heavy ground pound shots at Yuri. Uh, Yuri does defend a armbar attempt from Glover, and this allows him to take top position right before uh, time in the round expires. And he gets off some good shots at the end of the round. Uh, even still, I thought this was a pretty clear one for Glover. We go into round two, and round two is looking a lot different than round one at the beginning. Yuri is lighting to share up on the feet, and Glover is not reacting well to these shots at all. He's he's going on the attack at all the wrong times. His body language is off, uh, and eventually he backs into the cage where Yuri is just teeing off on him. Uh, Glover is looking completely overwhelmed. Effectively, he pulls guard at one point. Like I, I'm not going to say he was dropped. But he was hurt, and he pulls guard to buy himself some time. Eventually, Yuri slips after a hook from Glover, and Glover immediately capitalizes. He takes top position, and time is running down in the round. He's been getting his ass kicked for the entirety of the round, yet in these final 15 seconds or so, Glover postures up and just starts throwing some of the most vicious ground and pound strikes you will ever see down on Yuri. And Prohoshka is a bloody mess by the end of this round. Uh, I think you could score this one either way. We'll take a break here. Phil, how did you see the second round? So I gave this one to Yuri just because it was like such an accumulation of damage and he had him hurt so bad. So I mean, there, was, I. Yeah. There, there was so much. I mean, this is... This round encapsulates a lot of the fight because there was so many of these moments where, you know, there were just like some weird scrambles where one guy ends up on top, then ends up doing all this damage right at the end of the round. And it's not enough to steal the round, but it's enough to, you know, make a statement and, you know, turn the time tight a little bit. Um, but uh, I did give this round to Yuri. He was looking great, but the uh, ground and pound at the end of the second was devastating. And uh, it also opened up a cut on Yuri. So yeah, we go into the third round, and this cut on uh, the left eye, I believe, Prohoshka, just looked nasty. It looked deep. The cut man did a good job, I thought. It wasn't bleeding into his face or anything, but it was one where you could see if Glover lands again, that thing is just going to explode. Uh, regardless, he starts off the third round real strong. He defends a number of takedowns from Glover, and he starts picking them apart on the feet. He's killing them with elbows and body shots against the cage, and Tashir eventually goes down just beat up and absolutely exhausted. Prohoshka follows him down and he lands a bunch of ground and pound shots of his own. Uh, Glover's a bloody mess at this point too. And he goes for an ill-advised arm triangle, which Glover escapes and actually allows Glover to get into top position once again before the round ends. Glover did land a couple shots before the end of this round, but uh, not to the same effect at the end of the second. And I thought this was a real clear round for Prohoshka, who just put a beating on Glover throughout these five minutes. Um, uh, go ahead. Yeah, I, I was just going to say, I agree. At this point, you know, Glover's uh, looking in trouble. He's, uh, you know, he's looking a little bit uh, worse for wear here. And he's down on, on at least my card. Uh, yeah, mine as well. I had it uh, 29 to 28 for Yuri Prohoshka going into the fourth round. So we go into round four, and Tashira goes on the attack early. He's able to get Prohoshka to the ground after landing a solid combination, and he quickly works his way into mount where he starts going for an arm triangle. Prohoshka was in trouble, but Glover's positioning was just a bit off, and, and that allowed Yuri to capitalize. He takes top position. Uh, he doesn't keep it for long, though, because this is a crazy fight, and crazy things are going to happen here, okay? Glover works his way to the back of Yuri, and he can't quite secure the rear naked choke. So Prohoshka takes top position just as time's about to expire. Uh, I thought this was a close round, but Glover had the better positioning, landed the more damaging strikes on the feet. I gave this one to him. And we are going into round five, and it feels like it's anybody's fight. Round five begin. Oh, go ahead. I mean, I, I, I was going to say, it does feel like it's anybody's fight, but... It seems like Glover has a little bit of an advantage. He sort of has a second wind, whereas Yuri, you really started to see him slow down. And this is where, and a little bit in that round was where you start to see Glover land his uh, boxing strikes. 
And yeah, we'll get into that, especially at the beginning of the fifth round. So the fighters start off the fifth by touching gloves and hugging. Very nice moment. But uh, it doesn't take long for the violence to pick back up because at this point in the fight, Glover Teixeira is destroying Yuri Prohoshka on the feet. Yuri is gassed and Glover just looks like he has a bit more left in the tank. Don't get me wrong. Glover is exhausted by this point in the fight too. But he's been here before. Yuri hasn't. And he was landing damaging shots. He eventually lands this right hand and Yuri looks like he's practically out on his feet. But instead of just knocking him out, Glover goes for the guillotine and they're both sweaty, bloody messes at this point. So Glover just slips right off of him and the fight goes to the ground. Gives Prohoshka a bit of time to recover. And uh, as the fight goes back in the feet, it's still all Glover. Glover is beating him up and rocking him every time he tags him. But eventually, eventually Glover brings him back to the ground, his comfort zone. Big mistake. <laughs> so it, things are looking good for Glover. It looks like if he if he's not going to get the finish, he's surely going to be able to ride out this top control until the fight's over, and he will be declared the winner either way. Glover Teixeira is going to win this fight with two minutes remaining. He's in top, man. You think it's over. Well, it didn't quite work out as that because as Glover is looking for the neck of Prohoshka, Prohoshka slips out and he takes the the back of Glover Teixeira with less than a minute remaining. And he he doesn't even have the hooks in, but he puts his right arm under the neck of Glover Teixeira and he locks in a rear naked choke. And with less than 30 seconds remaining in this fight, Glover Teixeira is forced to submit. So your winner by rear naked choke at 4 minutes and 32 seconds of the fifth and final round and your new UFC light heavyweight champion, Yuri Prohoshka. Uh, this is one of the craziest fights ever. Uh, what are your uh, thoughts, Phil? <laughs> absolutely. So I, I, I had it th- thinking the same thing. I'm like, you know... Y- Glover has he's come back. He was down in this fight. He's gritted out. He's he's managed to you know win enough of these scrambles to get it done. But somehow Yuri escapes, gets that submission. You know, no quit in him. Always looking for the finish. And uh, I agree. This is one of the wildest fights I can recall. It had everything that mixed martial arts has to offer. Uh, there was great kicks, flying knees. Uh, incredible strikes from both men at different points. As you said, I mean, Glover was hurt so many times on the feet. And then towards the end of the fight, the the body shot work and combos that he was throwing against the cage, it, it really did look like Yuri was done. And a couple of really poor uh, mistakes from uh, Glover is, is what cost him. You know, he he ch- went for that guillotine, which was just a horrible decision. It allowed uh, Yuri to recover and end up on top. And then, yeah, towards the end of the fight, just the way he, you know, a couple of s- mistakes in the scrambling led him to giving up the back and that and that submission. So a very tough uh, loss to see for Glover, who was so close to executing an incredible comeback. But an amazing fight, an amazing win for Yuri, one of the most exciting fighters in the UFC, no doubt. Um, I mean, I don't know much what else to say other than if you didn't uh, see it, you should uh, go watch it. You should make a point to go see this on a night of filled with great fights. This was the best one and uh, definite fight of the year contender. And uh, we know who's going to win fight of the night. And after the bout, uh, John Anik on commentary confirmed that two of the uh, three court, uh, scorecards were in favor of Teixeira heading into the fifth round. So oh, really? Yeah, Even so, heading into the yeah, fifth? Yeah, so, in. so, yeah, it was so looking regardless good of the fifth round's result, uh, Glover Teixeira was 31 seconds away from retaining his title. So definitely a tough loss. But at the same time, you have to look at Glover Teixeira. This guy's 42 years old and was just in one of the greatest title fights in the history of the division against a guy way younger than him. And it, it went the distance and he nearly won. So a remarkable performance. And, you know, after the bout when he's interviewed and he says, you know what, I'm going to keep on fighting, the, the crowd fucking exploded. Huge ovation for this man and a well-deserved one. Uh, absolutely. Uh, 
do you run it back? It was such a good fight. It was so close. It, does it make sense to to run it back, especially considering the uh, lack of options in uh, the light heavyweight glamour division of the UFC? That's what that's what Daniel Cormier called it. Uh, yeah, I don't know about all of that. Maybe DC's feeling a bit nostalgic for his own time as champion. Uh, hey, regardless, this was. This was the best fight that's taken place in this division in years. So uh, I'm I'm not going to shit all over light heavyweights today. And if they run this back, I won't be mad at all. I don't think anyone would be mad. Um, you do have other op- options if you want. You can go uh, Jan Blahovic, who's coming off a win. You can go uh, Magomed Magomedov or Magomed Ankalaev, if that is. I, I think that one's less likely. I wouldn't be surprised if it's uh, Yuri Prohoshka versus Jan Blahovic next, though. Yeah, I I I I can understand uh them uh you know wanting to move on and maybe giving Glover another fight to hopefully set up a rematch later. Uh you did an excellent job with the recap on one of the most difficult <laughs> to recap. I mean at I'm I'm just like scrambling with my notes and half of them I think are in the wrong rounds. It's just like it's uh, Oh, my notes but- are all over the place too. Listen, if you're just listening to us if you're a casual MMA fan who decides to skip this, go out of your way to see this fight because if this isn't the fight of the year, then we have a treat in store for us uh, later on. Um all right, so now moving on the card, we had another title fight as women's flyweight champion Valentino, Valentina Shevchenko defended against Taylor, Talia Santos. Uh, Valentina Shevchenko coming in as the minus 650 huge favorite per usual. Uh, no one giving Santos much of a shot per usual uh, for, you know, we always expect the bullet to dominate and she does typically, uh, but we def we got something that we weren't expecting in this one. Didn't we, Eric? Uh, yeah. I mean, we might as well jump right into it. So uh, we start off first round. Shevchenko it wraps up Santos against the cage early looking for a takedown. She wasn't terribly active from the position and she ultimately gives up her back while trying to trip Santos to the ground. And from here, Santos starts searching for a rear naked choke. And I mean, I won't say she was ever that close to securing it. Shevchenko's defense held up very well, but it was it was definitely a statement round because it's not too often you you see Shevchenko lose a round in uh, such decisive fashion, really. She didn't uh, get much offensively going throughout here, and she was definitely in trouble despite defending herself well. So uh, pretty clear 10-9 for Santos, in my opinion. It reminded me of the fight, which was the one, the the round she lost when she tripped as well. She went for a takedown. Um, uh, that against Maya, uh, Jennifer Maya, Maya. Maya. Yeah, so it sort of reminded me of that, uh, except, you know, she ended up having her back taken in this case, and so there was more to defend. But it was, you know, her mistake that led to her being taken down. A mistake that she would make uh, many more times throughout this fight. So we go into round two, and it's Santos who's controlling the action against the cage for a period of time, and then she takes Shevchenko down cleanly. Uh, Once again, I thought, or I should say, unlike the first round, I thought Shevchenko was doing some good work despite being uh, in uh, the disadvantageous position here. She's working from her guard, and she's trying to make submissions happen. She's throwing up elbows, and I didn't think Santos was very active from top position which Jason Herzog agreed, the referee, as he ultimately stood the fighters up. Eventually, Shevchenko goes for another hip toss, but once again, it does not work out for her. Santos takes top position on the ground, and she ends the round in Shevchenko's guard. Uh, So this was a really close round, and it seemed to be one of the most decisive rounds uh, amongst judges, commentators, internet people. I personally saw this round for Valentina Shevchenko. Now, while Santos did dominate uh, in terms of control time, she did very little offensively. And guess what? Control time does not weigh heavily on the official scoring criteria. So when you look at the submission attempts and the actual damage done by Shevchenko, is it minimal? Yes. But it's also more than Santos did. So I did score this round for Valentina Shevchenko. Uh, How about you, Phil? So I did as well for all the same reasons. She was very active off her back with strikes that were leading to submissions. She tried to go Plata at one point. She was trying arm bars. She's constantly throwing up her arms. And Santos is not even throwing any strikes, really. And just the fact that 
Valentina was able to neutralize her and force the stand up, I thought was a clear indication that she was the one who actually controlled the position despite being on her back. So uh, I did give that one to Shevchenko as well. We jump into round three, and Shevchenko is finding her range a bit more on the feet early in the round. Uh, eventually opts to take Santos down, but Santos just pops right back to her feet and quickly ta- uh, secures the takedown of her own. Uh, much like the first round, Santos is able to take the back of Shevchenko here, and she pretty much spends the rest of the round looking for uh, rear naked chokes. Uh, she doesn't find one. But uh, I did think that her submission attempts weighed enough to take this round on my scorecard. Uh, how about you, Phil? Uh, I did as well. Uh, it, it, the, the, a lot of this fight reminded me of a fight we saw recently uh, from uh, the greatest promotion in the world, Bellator. Uh, MVP versus uh, whoever he fought recently. Uh, it was Logan a, Storley, man. Logan Storley. He, he took him down repeatedly, but didn't do anything with that with those positions. This was different, even though Santos wasn't landing really any strikes at all when she got uh, on the ground, she would get to the back and would at least work from that position and attempt a submission. And so that's why I gave her uh, this round. So uh, at one point in there, there is an accidental clash of heads. And we, we saw the result of this going into the fourth round because the right eye of Santos had nearly completely swollen shut. And uh, as we get into the fourth round, Shevchenko is taking full advantage of that. She is uh, really controlling the action on the feet, not doing anything particularly damaging, but it's uh, Santos isn't really getting much off in response. Uh, as we get like even to the halfway point in this round, this is when I, as the viewer, start getting concerned, thinking this fight might very well be stopped at some point because uh, to me, at least it looked like Santos's right eye had nearly uh, completely swollen shut. Well, it, it was not stopped. We did get to see the remainder of this fight, but it was definitely a worry at that point. Um, I scored this round for Shevchenko. I really didn't think Santos had enough uh, going for her in any, in any respect to take this round. I thought this one was fairly clear despite a late takedown. Those don't score. Okay. Commentary yeah. team, the UFC commentary team. If you're listening to this, those do not score. If you if you get a takedown in the final ten seconds of a round, it does not matter. Okay. okay well, we- I mean, if it's look, if it's a close round and you're, it, I don't think that. Uh, uh, so what I think they're they're implying there is not so much that oh, the judging criteria requires that uh, you you count this as. A worthy amount of points for the competitor. What I think they're saying is it just leaves an impression at the end of a round. And if the round is close, you don't want to leave that impression that you got taken down. It's the same thing as why you want to end up on top and you don't want to end up on bottom. If the round's close, you know, the judges, they don't remember the first two minutes. They only see the the last little bit. But anyway, uh, it didn't really matter. It was pl- it was a very clear round for Shevchenko. She was doing all sorts of damage to that. Uh, uh, the, everything was coming from the left side because of the eye. And uh, it did look like it could get stopped at one point because of the eye damage. So we go into the fifth and final round of this fight. Uh, Shevchenko catches Santos with a solid combination early. But uh, once again, she tries to trip Santos to the ground. I, I have no idea what Shevchenko was thinking throughout this fight. Uh, and Santos... Reverses the position pretty easily. Climbs onto the back of Shevchenko once again. Thankfully for the champion. This time Shevchenko was able to work her way out from under Santos, who was just a bit too high in her back. And she lands a really nice right hand upon return to the feet. Uh, towards the very uh, final maybe two and a half minutes of the round, Shevchenko trips, finally succeeds in tripping Santos to the ground. And she maintains a fairly inactive top control from half guard i believe for the remainder of the fight we go to the scorecards uh we have 48 47 shevchenko 47 or 48 47 in favor of santos and finally 49 46 in favor of valentina shevchenko who retains the ufc flyweight championship by split decision uh a far closer fight than i think most imagined going into this but uh a bit of a controversial one I myself scored the fight uh, 48-47 in favor of Shevchenko. Uh, how did you see it, Phil? I had it the exact same way. I think, you know, rounds four and five were very clear. Rounds one and three, I think, were clear. I mean, certainly round one was quite clear. And then round 
two was that debatable one. Like, do you, what, how much do you value whatever it was that uh, Santos did in that round? But I think in general, no one's really complaining about this uh, result because, you know, Santos really didn't uh, go for it towards the end, right? Like, she didn't really, uh, you know, she was not really playing defensive. I mean, she was in a tough position because her eye was compromised. Yeah, you have uh, to feel for Santos given that uh, her eye was swollen shut by uh, yes. an accidental illegal move. And from that point forward, she never really got anything going. But uh, it is what it is, you know. Yes, yes. Now, regarding the position losses for Valentina in this fight, what I think happened is... So, Valentina has historically been very successful with... Uh, she'll get a, a toss or a throw or a trip and then she'll end up in sort of like a headlock scarfold position where and she often is... transitions to the crucifix and yeah. finishes a few of her opponents yeah yes and uh you know you saw ronda rousey use this position successfully but the problem with that position is against a skilled uh jujitsu player it gives them the back because they can just scoot out that side so you really need a lot of strength to hold it. And of course, Valentina is very strong. She's been successful in that position for so long. But here she met somebody <clears throat> who she was, uh, who was, you know, stronger than her, really, it seemed. Uh, Valentina could only control positions with technique. So I think, uh, you know, going back to review this fight, I think that's an adjustment that sh she'll want to look at. I mean, it's obviously something part of her arsenal, but uh, the way you stop it is with a strong wizard. So anyway. There you have it. Anything yes. else you want to add about this one? Um, just, uh, you know, in the post-fight speech, uh, Valentina alluded to the 30-hour um, traveling time that it took to get her. I think she was maybe implying that that impacted her performance and why it wasn't, you know, optimal out there. Uh, you know, you could say maybe she looked a little bit, you know, it, it certainly wasn't her best performance, but I think that it would be a disservice to uh, not credit Santos for that. I agree. I mean, despite the fact, yeah, this clearly wasn't one of Shevchenko's more dominant performances. I, I thought she fought as she usually does here. There wasn't anything I saw from her that seemed abnormal. She fought uh, utilizing her typical strategies to various degrees of success. Santos was able to capitalize on a few of them, but uh, largely a typical performance from Valentina Shevchenko, albeit a far closer fight than usual. Yes, and I, I think the closeness of it will, uh, you know, will demand a rematch at some point if Santos is able to get a W, especially considering that there. <laughs> I mean, you might not even need a W in the women's flyweight division. Well, just, just well, do it again. I mean, it's as good well, as anything else, isn't it? Well, the only caveat to that is uh, in her post-fight speech that uh, Valentina. Uh, uh, said that she would be willing to take a uh, bantamweight fight. So that would be exciting. So uh, depending on what uh, the UFC offers her there, um, who knows what we'll see next. But Valentina retains and she sets the record for most title defenses in a women's division and ties the record for total female title defenses with her arch rival, Amanda Nunez. This post-wrestling podcast is brought to you by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Financial literacy can be daunting, but it's one of the most valuable things you can equip yourself with. On NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast, their trusted financial journalists offer easily digestible, conversational discussions on topics like balancing your portfolio. If you think an ETF is one of Cena's five moves of doom, this show might be for you. Planning for your tax bills this April, so you don't have to worry about a visit from Erwin R. Scheister and putting away more money for retirement. Because unlike most wrestlers at the end of their careers, most of us should only plan on retiring once. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. All right, so moving on, uh, we had an incredible, uh, highly anticipated rematch between Joanna Janjacek and Wei Li Zhang, the 
fight of the year contend, well, the fight of year, the year winner from 2020. Uh, two years later, they're back in action, but this time instead of being a five rounder, it's a three rounder. Eric, how did it go down? All right, we get right into the fight as Zhang starts attacking the leg of Yan Jacek, who's responding with some solid right hands. Uh, Yan Jacek lands one of her own and it sweeps Zhang right off of her feet. These two were throwing. So you know what the comment you made about the to share uh, Yuri fight, how your notes are just a complete mess by all the insanity. These two, their striking exchanges were so fast that it was hard to tell what was happening the vast majority of the time. You just kind of hear shots landing. You have no idea who landed. That was the beginning of this fight, okay? Eventually, Zhang opts to take Yin Jiechik down, and she lands some really strong ground pound strikes as Yin Jiechik attempted to pick herself up. I mean, let me just say, taking down Yuana Yin Jiechik, not an easy thing to do, and it's even harder to keep her there. So uh, really impressive feat from Weili Zhang here. Uh, at one point, Zhang takes uh, Yan Jiechik's back before transitioning to full mount, and she lands some real brutal elbows as Yan Jiechik finally makes it back to her feet. Uh, Yan Jiechik wasn't deterred at all by the damage she took on the ground here, though, because in the final uh, seconds of this round, they trade heavy right hands with Yan Jiechik seemingly landing the harder shots before time expires. We jump into round two. Uh, the pace has not slowed down at all. They're exchanging hard leg kicks, and I thought Zhang was landing some excellent kicks to the body of Yan Jacek that were really making a difference in the fight. And as a result, Joanna was kind of ducking in and loading up on some of her shots, which isn't how she typically fights. She still found some success doing this, but not as much as uh, she did when she was fighting a bit more from range in and out, as she typically does. At one point, uh, Yan Jacek defends a takedown from Zhang, but she was tagged by a hard one-two just moments later. And as she's trying to make up ground, she's pressuring forward. Zhang Weili loads up with a spinning back fist that just catches Yan Jacek flush and sends her uh, face planting down to the ground, unconscious. Uh, wow. Zhang Weili wins by knockout at 2 minutes and 28 seconds of the second round. Uh, knockout of the year contender right here, Phil. Yes, a knockout of the year contender if uh, Michael Chandler... Tony Ferguson never happened, but uh, an incredible knockout nonetheless. Uh, and in any other year would be the knockout of the year. Uh, incredible visual of Joanna face planning after this finish. Uh, it, a really great performance from the former champion here, Whaley. She had a great game plan to use her wrestling, uh, her use her physicality. Clearly, she's been working on her wrestling considering what happened in the Rose fight. And then the body work in the second round, again, part of a clear game plan. It's just She went after it over and over and over again, and uh, it, just opened, uh, it just opened things up for her to land that beautiful spinning back fist, uh, incredible finish. And this sets up uh, another title fight for Zhang and an opportunity to become a two-time champion. Yeah, I mean, Dana White, uh, ahead of this fight, uh, practically conf confirmed that the winner would fight Carlos Barza for the title next. And uh, this was the perfect way for Zhang Weili to cement that sh that uh, shot, getting a beautiful knockout, as she did here, against uh, Yuan Yan Jacek, who, who has been finished before, but she's never been knocked out. So this uh, a huge win for Zhang Weili. Um, in the post-fight speech, uh, Joanna Janjacek announced her retirement from mixed martial arts. She said that she'd been training and preparing for 20 years. She's 35 years old, wants to be a mother, wants to be a businesswoman. She thanked everybody under the sun, her team, her coaches, management, uh, uh, Lorenzo Fertitta, the UFC, and then finished off with a very classy thank to thank you to all the UFC staff uh, who uh, she said oh, this would not be possible without them. So a very classy uh, way uh, to end her career, if it really is the end of Joanna's career. You know, I know your opinions on uh, retirements in MMA, but uh, give me your thoughts on you know. Her career, this retirement, I mean, this is somebody who's, you know, Hall of Famer for, you know, her career itself. She's got a Hall of Fame fight that will be in the UFC, just in, and an interesting personality as well. Yeah, there's a lot of ground to cover here, so uh, 
uh, I'm going to take my time and uh, of course correct me if I get a bit lost here. But starting with her retirement, yeah, I, I take all MMA retirements with a grain of salt, especially if it comes moments after a big loss. That being said, Joanna has only has not fought in about two and a half years. Um, it's been kind of apparent just from following her on social medias and whatnot that she has a lot going for her outside of MMA. So given her age and uh, success in the sport, it wouldn't shock me if this was indeed her final fight. That being said, she's still a very high-level fighter. Uh, I think she showed that in this fight, despite the result. So never say never. As far as her career goes, uh, yeah, she's a, a layup for the UFC Hall of Fame. Uh, as strawweight champion, she defended her title uh, five consecutive times. Uh, th- this strawweight is by far the strongest women's MMA division. So that is uh, no small feat, especially look at all the other champions of the division. Look at their title reigns who, uh, I mean, Rose defended her title once, right? Andrade didn't manage that. Zhang defended once. Mm-hmm. Rose defended once again. So that, that puts into perspective how dominant Yuan Yan Chick was throughout her title reign. And she wasn't having competitive fights back then either. She mm-hmm. was dominating her opponents, mm-hmm. frankly, being the shit out of them at the beginning. Watch her fight against like Carla Sparza. It's one of the most one-sided beatdowns you'll ever see from a challenger against the champion. So uh, she had a remarkable reign. And even after she was arguably past her prime a bit, she still showed that she could be a competitive fighter against the likes of Rose Nama Yunus in their rematch, yeah. uh, Zhang Weili in their first fight, and even Valentina Shevchenko when Joanna was uh, significantly undersized. She gave Valentina Shevchenko a competitive fight, which is something not many flyweights have managed. So a, a remarkable career. And yeah, she'll, like you said, she'll be a Hall of Famer twice over. Well said, Eric. All right. Now moving down the card, we had a welterweight contest between Jake Matthews and Andre Fialio. So we have uh, early in the fight, Fialio is pressuring forward, and Matthews is landing some beautiful counters whenever Fialio closes the distance, as well as a number of leg kicks. And let me tell you, these leg kicks were quickly causing some visible damage on the lead leg of Fialio. Fialo's getting caught every time he closes the distance. I think they bring up the strike count at one point, and they say, like, with four minutes into the round, Fialo's landed a grand total of one strike. It's not like he wasn't doing anything either. He was just unsuccessful in everything he did because Jake Matthews was that good in this fight. Uh, This was a very easy round for uh, Matthews, although in the final seconds of the round, it kind of turned into a bit of a brawl, and they, they both landed some good ones. We go into round two, and pretty quickly, a left hand from Matthews rocks Fialo up badly. But he doesn't get reckless, doesn't get wild. He just continues to pick Fialo apart, landing huge shots that were repeatedly just buckling Fialo's legs. And eventually, he loads up with a big right hand that sends Fialo down against the cage. He didn't really have to follow it up with many shots before this one was stopped. And Jake Matthew wins by knockout at 2 minutes and 24 seconds of round two. I'll go first, Phil. I thought this was the best Jake Matthews has ever looked. Oh, I think that that goes without saying. I mean, he was incredibly <laughs> evasive, uh, just looked very good on his feet defensively. Then when he started to get his offense off, he he, he had Fialio in all sorts of trouble. And Fialio, you know, he was trying to work angles, trying to cut off the cage, but just Jake was too good. And whenever, even when Fialo did land some shots, they were, they were nothing in comparison to what uh, Matthews was able to put forward. Uh, definitely his best performance and, you know, kind of an eye-opening performance because Fialio's no joke. You know, he, he you know, he's got a loss to Michelle Pejea, but uh, it's, you know, he, he's a very skilled striker. So it's, it's a statement-making win to do it in such dominant fashion. He was coming off a tough loss in his last one to Sean Brady. So this was a good way to rebound. And if memory serves correct, I think he's won four of his last five now. So yes. pretty solid run overall for Jake Matthews. Yes. And, you know, Sean Brady, one of the top guys in the division as well. So th- this puts Matthews right back in a place where I think people are going to want to see him against a ranked fighter. Um, he he said in the, his post-fight speech that he wants to get on the UFC Paris card, which will be on September 3rd, because there's a bunch of his Aussie teammates that will also be on that card. Um, now, before we go to the next fight, at this point in the evening, the UFC announced that UFC 278 
will be taking place on August 20th in Salt Lake City, Utah. And the main event, believe it or not, Kamaru Usman versus Leon Edwards for the UFC welterweight title. Finally, book, will Leon Edwards get his, his long-deserved, long-awaited, long-eluded title shot? Will it happen, Eric? Will both men make it to UFC 278? You know, when we did the uh, the best of show at the end of last year, one of the questions you asked me, a prediction for the upcoming year was, does Leon Edwards fight for a UFC championship? <laughs> and I said, probably not. They probably screw him over. And you know what I'm saying? Even if it's not the UFC that's going to screw him over, faith is going to screw him over. That's so right. Yes. But it's not going to happen. That's <laughs> right. Yes. Yes. Well, I, I certainly hope it happens. Uh you know, Leon Edwards definitely deserves it. You know, he's been long overdue. So uh, hopefully everybody makes it safe and sound to Salt Lake City uh, on August 20th. I mean, yeah, that's a great fight. I, I'm excited to see it. I mean, uh, it's happened before, of course, but that was pretty early into both Edwards and Usman's career. They've both improved tremendously. But at the same time, uh, Usman's starting to reach an age where you have to wonder how long he can keep this up. So I'm actually really looking forward to that fight. Yeah, as as good as Usman has looked, uh, not just age, just wear and tear. He's constantly talked about his uh, knees and how yeah. much trouble that they are from. He is himself coming off of surgery, uh, hand surgery. So uh, it'll be interesting to see, you know, if he's made a full recovery, how how those things impact him. But you know, he's had these knee problems forever, and he keeps looking better and better. So uh, it's uh, it's hard, to, even though yes, he's coming, he's getting up there in age. It, you know, he's still at the top of the game, so uh, uh, I don't want to see him go away anytime soon. All right, and then starting the pay-per-view portion of the evening was a welterweight clash between Jack Della Maddalena versus Ramazan Amiv. So uh, this one was a fairly short one. It doesn't take long for Amiv to shoot for a takedown, and as Della Maddalena attempts to roll out of roll out of it uh Amiv takes his back and he nearly catches him in an anaconda choke like it looked tight at one point but Della Mandolina is able to escape the submission and he gets right back to his feet where he instantly goes on the attack he backs Amiv into the cage and he's just unloading and eventually drops him with just a brutal body shot uh from the second this one landed Amiv was done he just covers up on the ground and Della Mandolina throws down right hands until the fight stopped doesn't take long Jack Della Mandolina is your winner by TKO at 2 minutes and 32 seconds of round 1. Uh, impressive win. Uh, his first UFC outing was impressive, and this was a pretty similar fight. So uh, definitely someone to keep an eye on, Phil. Yeah, and, you know, I guess a quality opponent. Like, not somebody who uh, is easily defeated uh, and pretty high level for this early in your UFC run. And Madalena has a little bit of hype behind him, too, from, uh, you know, his... Only two losses in his career were his first two fights. He's won everything since. So I think there's going to be a lot of interest in what he does for his next fight. All right. So that wraps up the pay-per-view portion of the card. Maybe, Eric, you want to quickly run through some highlights of uh, the uh, preliminary fights? All right, let's see uh, what I can even remember from this. We, we go to uh, Joshua Kulabau. Uh, by the way, there's going to be a ton of uh, butchering of names here, so don't hold it against me. Joshua Kulabau defeats uh, Songwoo Choi by split decision. Uh, scores of 29-28, 29-28, and one dissenting scorecard, 29-28 uh, in favor of Choi. This was a really entertaining fight. I mean, these guys were getting booed early like a minute in the car just showering these guys with booze and it was ridiculous and, and these fighters definitely made them feel stupid by the end of this because uh, as the fight progressed it, it got pretty wild i believe i agreed with the judges that Kolobau, uh got his i know that's not how you say his name Kolobau, you, yeah yeah Kolobau. yeah Kolobau. No, it's gonna bother me uh, regardless okay. uh, i i did think he deserved to get his arm raised here uh Pretty fun fight. I mean, I mean, like this is one of those times where after the fight, the commentators are going, "Well, that's gonna be hard to top a fight of the night." And in the moment, you're like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, I agree." We had no idea what was coming. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, it was a very entertaining contest. I do think the judges got it right as well. I had it twenty nine twenty eight for Kulabau. He just seemed to have sharper 
striking overall and he was switching stances and very fluid in uh the way that he moved uh Choi was able to land uh a takedown in the last round to sort of secure that and and tr he sort of tried to choke to finish the fight but it wasn't enough because he was already down two rounds at that point uh, before that on the card, we had uh, Mahashate versus Steve Garcia. Uh, Mahashate wins by knockout a minute and 14 seconds into the first round. Uh, these guys just pretty much started trading right away, and it was Mahashate who landed the harder shots. Uh, I think he ends up uh, catching him with a strong right hand as Mahash as uh, not Mahashate, as Garcia is pressing forward. And from the back foot, he just knocks him out cold. So really impressive way to knock somebody out always whenever a guy's uh, on the retreat and just kind of throws that right hand that catches him out cold, like like Stipe Miocic and Fabrizio Verdum. Uh, pretty big win for him. We go up the card. We had uh, Brendan Allen and Jacob Malkoon. Uh, Brendan Allen wins by unanimous decision, 29-28 all. Uh, Malkoon impressed with his wrestling ability. He had no trouble taking his opponents to the ground and keeping it there. But unfortunately... Uh, he didn't do anything after he got the fight to the ground. He, like No uh, strikes landed, really, no submission attempts, and that's what ultimately cost him on the scorecard here, and Brendan Allen got his arm raised. We go earlier in the night, uh, Kyung Ho Kang versus uh, Dana Baccarel. This is one that I was looking at as it would probably be a pretty fun fight ahead of time. I'm a pretty big fan of Dana, obviously, uh, recently. He's had some really impressive performances. He's a guy I look at in that bantamweight division where I don't know if he'll ever touch the rank competition, but whenever I see his name on a card, I'm like, all right, that should be a fun fight. And this was a fun one. It was very competitive. Uh, Kang uh, wins by unanimous de decision, 29-28 on every square card. I agreed with that one. And then we'd have to go all the way back uh, 27 hours ago to the <laughs> fight pass prelims with Na Liang versus uh, Silvana gomez Juarez. Uh, Juarez? Juarez. 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 There we go. Juarez. Juarez wins by knockout at a minute and 22 of the first round. Uh, another one where she just knocked her opponent out cold here. She catches Liang with a big right hand at one point, and as Liang's trying to pick herself up, she just throws a combination. It's a left hook, I believe, that catches Liang and knocked out cold. Uh, beautiful knockout early on this card. And to start off the night, uh, Jocelyn Edwards defeated Ramona Pascal by unanimous decision with scorecards of 30-27 and 2-29-28. And that was the card. That was the card. A pretty entertaining card, top to bottom, but definitely the highlight is the pay-per-view portion. And, yeah, pre uh, prelims were so-so, but the main card, uh, fire. Yeah, absolutely. Fight of the year contender. Uh, another great fight between Zhang and Joanna. Um, and, uh, and even though it wasn't the most thrilling of fight, uh, I think the Valentina one is, uh, worth watching. There's enough drama in there and, uh, worthwhile to see, you know, the sort of holes that, uh, other fighters might try to exploit in the future when they take on the longtime champion. All right, so uh, why don't you get the uh, performance bonuses, Eric, while I run down what's coming up. So next week, the UFC returns on Saturday night from Austin, Texas, as Calvin Cater is taking on Josh Emmett. You've also got uh, Donald Cerrone taking on Joe Lozon. That fight was uh, booked a few weeks ago. Donald Cerrone had to pull out at the last minute. Kevin Holland returns, taking on the Dirty Bird, Tim Means. You got Joaquin Buckley on there. Damir Ismagulov is on this card. Adrian Yanez. Uh, Court McGee's on this card. Phil Haas versus Deron Wynn. So a pretty good fight night and uh, another return to a live fight night, as this will be in front of a crowd in Austin, Texas. And then the next time that the post show returns, and Eric will be returning for this one as well, will be on July 2nd, 2022, which is the same day as Money in the Bank. Is that the... Yes, that's what's yeah, happening. So, so both of those events are happening in, in Las Vegas at the same time. Uh, but uh, tremendous two great fights. You've got a middleweight contest between Israel Adesanya versus Jared Cannonier, and the third fight between Alexander Volkanovsky versus 
Max Holloway. And then this fight's a barn burner. Sean Strickland versus Alex Pejea. Uh, I I knew they were going to move this guy up the ranks fast. If he wins this fight, he totally could uh, be uh, the next contender for Israel Adesanya. And heck, if Jared Cannonier can't make the walk uh, on the tw- on for UFC tw- two seventy six, do not be surprised if uh, Pahea gets elevated into that position. No, and also, that's clearly, what the UFC are trying to set up Pahea versus uh, Adesanya three, so to speak. And I think, regardless of how Pahea looks. There's going to be a lot of interest in that. There's also a lot of other great fights on this card. So uh, on the pay-per-view portion, Sean O'Malley once again, this time taking on his toughest challenge to date. Well, uh, next to Chido Vera, maybe. Next to Vera, Pedro, yeah. yeah, Pedro Munoz. Uh, you've also got Robbie Lawler returning since uh, first time since uh, beating Nick Diaz, taking on Brian Barberina, Uriah Hall versus Andre Muniz, and Bobby Green versus Jim Miller is like uh, d- way down the card. So a pretty stacked pay per view. UFC 276. Eric and I will be live immediately following the action uh, on July. No. We won't be live immediately following the action. We'll be live some point the next day, as I am not watching. Oh, you! Oh, live. sorry, <laughs> sorry. You told you you did you did tell me that, but now I'm making okay. I'm making commitments that you explicitly cannot make. Okay, perfect. Don't worry, uh, guys. I'm not watching Money in the Bank either. <laughs> all right. Well, <laughs> all right. Well, UFC 276 will come on July 2nd, and the post show will come at some point on July 3rd. Um. All right. Did you get those bonuses, Eric? I did. So, uh, hey, I want I want you to guess what one fight of the night. Film. Take a <laughs> guess. Take a stab. <laughs> Shot in the dark, if you will. Valentina versus Santos. You know, it was a split decision, a close <laughs> one, right? There's that. The Sharer and Yuri Prohashka were awarded with performance bonuses for fight of the night, and then the typical performance bonuses were awarded to every fighter aside from Yuri, who got a finish throughout the card. So that's. Uh, Matthews, Juarez, uh, Maishate, Zhang Li, and Della Madalena. Excellent. Excellent. All right. So uh, a very fun fight uh, card. Uh, I think both of us would say, if you didn't get a chance to see it, well worth catching the whole main card, in my opinion, and you get the advantage of being able to fast forward through uh, the breaks in between. All right. Do you have anything left to say to uh, the wonderful post Marks out there listening at two o'clock in the morning on this, uh, you know, Sunday, <laughs> June twelfth. I've lo- I've lost my mind as usual as we hit the uh, hit the end of the show. No, I have absolutely uh, nothing to say to any of uh, you people, you you listeners. Okay, there's a lot nothing. of there's a lot of condemnation in your voice. Like, are you okay? <laughs> <laughs> it's two in the morning. Man. Got it. I'm done. I understand. All right. Thank you, everybody. We'll see you next time.